Just a little bit of fun. Sure, we got the new screws. We said, well, it's time for service. They all know. If they were, I would have called them a liar. If they really didn't have fear, I said, well, you can come up here and talk. Because I think fear is something we all have. In fact, I think fear is something in this, the, where we're living first service they almost said no and if they were I would have called them a liar and if they really didn't have fear I said well you can come up here and talk because I think fear is something we all have in fact I think fear is something in this the, where we're living right now and how we're living this is is even more of the case COVID-19 has brought a lot of fears for people there's a lot of people living in fear right now and there are some people that are on one side that think it's just a joke or it's a political or whatever it is. But then there's a lot of people that are very, very fearful. They're fearful to come out of their house. They're fearful to, to do anything because they're convinced that they'll get this disease. And it's affected a lot of things, this fear that we have. Then you look at the stock market. The stock market is one of those things that it goes up and it goes down and a lot of the fear that we have right now going on that has caused the stock market to go down because of fear. And then it comes back up and there's another fear and it goes back down. There's fear because businesses are closed. Do I have a job or do I not have a job? Am I going to have a job when I come back because is this business going to reopen? So there's fear for the employees. There's fear for the business owners. There's even fears for the elections that are coming up. It doesn't matter which side you're on, everybody is fearful of that. They're fearful because if this person wins, it's, they think it's going to mean this. If this person wins, then they're fearful that it's going to mean this. There's not so much in our town, but there's fear of riots. Depending on the bigger cities, we have, there's riots going on. There's fear of police. That's a real fear that people have, fear of law enforcement. There's fear of that if I travel somewhere, I'm going to uh, get COVID-19. There's so many things that are happening that we just live in fear. And I think it's just, it's brought to the head. And that's why we, I just decided to do this series on fear. But I want to share something with you. Who knows who Z Wiggerphobia is? Well, yeah, that's because you were here last service. So Z Wiggerphobia, I'm going to share, is one of my fears. It's a fear that I share. My dogs have it with me. There was one person in the, in the first service that had it too, so maybe some of you do. It's Z-Wigger-phobia is the fear of the loud noise that a vacuum cleaner makes. It's not funny, Peaches. It's a real fear. <laughs> I, who know, and, and to make it even worse, that who knows what a Roomba is? Those little Roomba vacuum cleaners, a couple of you. Yeah, those little round things that vacuum your floor. Like, I think you can even turn it on from your phone. Yeah, but, yeah, so that's fearful too. So this, I come home and this thing, it's, well, and it's, it's kind of like a little cockroach because it scurries all over the floor and goes all over. And, I mean, most people don't like cockroaches and they're fearful of those too. So that's why I'm fearful of this thing. So I come home and this thing is buzzing around my house and I, well, I either just leave or I go and find where my dogs are hiding underneath the bed, and I crawl underneath the bed with them until that thing's done. <laughs> so this is a fear. Now, fear is one of those things that sometimes when it's out of control, it's a bad thing. Fear can be a bad thing. So have you heard the saying of being paralyzed with fear? 
paralyzed with fear. This is when I'm just so overcome with fear that like, you're, well, you're paralyzed. You just, you can't move. You're, you're just in that fear and you're stuck. But fear can also be a good thing. There's books that are written by smart people, the, the psychology books, and they describe fear as this. They say, fear is described as a vital response to physical and emotional danger. If people don't feel fear, they wouldn't be able to protect themselves from legitimate threats. They give another definition. Fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or is a threat. So in those cases, fear is a good thing because we feel it, we sense it, and we hopefully take ourselves out of that situation or we know to be fearful of that so we don't even put ourselves in that situation or go into that or we're, we, we can do things to prevent that fear from overtaking us. But there's also things with fears that sometimes, and this is the title of the sermon, is that your eyes deceive you. That our eyes, we don't really see what we're really seeing. And how many times think of this that we look at things or we'll see things or we'll hear things and then we just immediately become afraid. We're just afraid of what our eyes are looking at and we think that's a fearful situation and so I need to remove that. Now, I want, to look, I want us to look at a couple of pictures here. One of you might be shocked. So these are both people that I know, but which one would you be more fearful of? If you saw them on the street. This one over here? That was the answer everybody else said. Well, this, this guy's a friend of mine. He's actually a friend of mine. He is, uh, that's Killa C. Some of you may know it. Some of the younger people may know that, know him. Um, he doesn't use that stage name anymore. He was a juggalo rapper, and that was the persona that he took on. And actually, we've found probably one of the better pictures of him. There's creepier pictures of him. But um, I was in his wedding. He follows Jesus now. He, he doesn't look that way anymore at all. In fact, he's a school teacher. So really, you don't need to be afraid of him. Now, this guy over here that you thought was safe just kind of looks like a normal guy, right? Well, think of a regional manager in a large store. He would be equivalent to a regional manager of the MS-13 gang in a country that I've been to several times. And this picture was taken, you know, probably about six years ago. So what that means is this guy has been in charge or been responsible himself of probably some horrific, scary, fearful things committed to people, murdering people, doing all kinds of, and he told me some stories and I, I can't even repeat them. But, so I'll ask again, which one would you be more fearful of, knowing that information that you had? This one over here is actually probably somebody to be more fearful of. So like I said, your eyes deceive you. Your eyes can deceive you. you don't, we don't see everything that there is to see. Today I want to, you can turn the picture off there. Today I want to look at a story out of 2 Kings. It's, a, it's about a servant to this prophet named Elisha that his eyes deceived him. God revealed to the servants the, something, but he couldn't see it with his eyes. He decided to him what was really happening. 
in this situation. Now, Elisha was a prophet, and a prophet is one of those people that God tells them things, and then that prophet goes and tells the people or tells the king or tells people information. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. But Elisha was telling the king of Israel, who is the good guy, to, like, you can't be here because the king of Aram, who is the bad guy, was trying to kill the king of Israel because they were at war with each other. And so every time the king of Aram would move someplace, the king of Israel wasn't there, and he was getting really, really mad. And because Elisha, who was the prophet, God would tell him where Aram was going to, the king was going to come and tell the king of Israel, you need to get out of there. So the the king Aram is not a stupid guy. He's a pretty smart guy. He figures out, well, Elisha's the problem. I need to go kill Elisha. So the king of Aram decides to send out an army. And I'm going to pick up the story in 2 Kings 6, 13 through 17. It says, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dotham. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Elisha answered him. He says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I got to pause here for a second because the servant's, thinking, okay, that I'm one, you're two, that's an army. What the heck are you talking about? What is going on? What do you mean there's more for us than against us? And Elisha finishes, it says, And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So this servant Elisha's servant, when he went to bed that night, I I bet he didn't expect to see what he saw in the morning. But during the night, he wakens to my first point. He wakens to the unexpected. So what are those unexpected things that cause us fear? Those unexpected things. Things like that phone call in the middle of the night. That unexpected phone call that's going to cause us that's, that's bad news. Maybe it's that noise you hear in your house that's a burglar. It's unexpected. When you went to bed that night, that's unexpected. Or maybe it's a knock at the door by a stranger, by someone you, you have no idea who they are, that maybe it looks like kill a sea. Unexpected. Something it happens, it just shows up. Kind of like waking up in the, in the morning and seeing an army surrounding you that wants to kill you. So... I'm going to share another fear with you. You guys will probably laugh at me again. First, first service was brutal. They just laughed at me. Um, it, was, it was heartbreaking how insensitive they were to me. But one of my other fears is taking a vacation. And you look at me and go, what, that's dumb. What are you talking about, taking a vacation? Well, bad things happen when you take vacations. Bad things will happen. You know, bad things like, well, maybe the car that we're driving will get in a car wreck. Or if we're flying somewhere, the the plane's probably going to crash. It's a bad thing. 
Or if you get there and you're driving around, well, you'll probably get lost and you won't be able to find your way back and then you'll be stuck in who knows where for the rest of your life and starve to death. <laughs> or if you have kids, I'm sure your kids will get kidnapped, right? Doesn't that happen all the time on vacation? You know, or I might hurt myself and I just might not be able to get back to work on Monday and then I'll get fired and lose my job. So these are all really logical things, aren't they? You're not assuring me that it is. <laughs> They're logical in my mind, but I also think it's probably logical that I could go buy a lottery ticket over at 3G's and probably the odds are better that I'd win that lottery than this, but in my mind, these were fearful things. These are fearful things that were in my mind. So being the good husband that I am, I listened to my wife and I took a vacation. And you know what? No, bad things happen. Bad things happen. No, they happen. I get this phone call. You know it's not the end of the world, but I had, at the time I was working for somebody, and one of the other people quit. And I knew what that meant for me. That means I'm working seven days a week, probably 10 or 12-hour days or longer, and I'm never going to have any time off. I'm never going to have a break for who knows how long. So in my mind, I decided that you take a vacation, bad things happen. And that just proved it. That, that was the proof that, that's what, that that logic works. So, but I'm kind of smart, so I can figure this out. So I figured, well, if I just work all the time, which notice that was my fear, the bad thing is that I had to work all the time. But if I worked all the time, never took a vacation, that these bad things couldn't happen. Makes good sense, doesn't it? No. Well, you're right, it doesn't. But... So finally, I've kind of overcome that. So now I just expect the unexpected. So I get trapped in the circle of knowing, ex fearful of my expectation that the unexpected will happen when the unexpected happens, so then I won't feel as bad. And it's just kind of this circle, but the whole thing is I'm living in fear the whole time. I'm just fearful of this, so I'm always on guard. I'm always, always just worried about this, so there's a cycle. And to pick on the moms for a little bit, but it's kind of like the moms when you wait up at night waiting for your child to come home, right? You're always fearful for the unexpected. You're fearful for that unexpected phone call. That phone call you know is going to happen, but it never comes, usually. But it's unexpected, and you don't sleep at night because you're fearful. And dads, we don't seem to have that problem, do you? We just fall asleep, right, John? Yeah, we just fall asleep, and we hear about it the next morning. So I want us to look at this little verse in a second here in Joshua, beginning of the book of Joshua. Give you some background on this. What we see is Moses has passed leadership of the Israelites off to Joshua. Remember that the Israelites couldn't go into the promised land for 40 years. And so this 40 years is up. Joshua is now in charge of the Israelites. They're about to enter into the promised land, this land that was promised to them. The last report they got of the promised land is, is that the people in the promi promised land that they, they're in, and Israelites' enemies, were giants. That the Israelites looked like grasshoppers compared to them. So this is the information. They're about to cross this river, cross the Jordan River, to go into this land that, that God has promised them. They're probably afraid. They're probably fearful. So Joshua 3, 4 tells us, Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. 
You kind of might go, that's kind of an odd verse, but they've never been there. There was a lot of unknown, a lot of unknown in this promised land, a lot of unknown just by simply crossing the river. They might drown in the river. There might be an enemy camped out in the rocks on the other side with arrows, killing them as they came out of the water. A lot of things to be fearful of. A lot of things that they just don't know. They may not unknown of like, how are we going to occupy this promised land? And how are we going to win these battles? How are we going to do this? Just a lot of things that are, that are unknown on this other side of the river. And they've never been on the other side. They don't know for sure what's on the other side. And I'm sure it was full of a lot of scary things. But I think in this verse, God's trying to tell him, it says, you know what, you're right. You don't have this under control. You don't, you don't have this future. You don't know what the future is, and you can't control it. So why are you fearful? Why are you fearful about this? And I think that God is telling him, it says, you know what, I'll guide you, and I'll let you know which way to go. You'll just, you'll know which way to go. And when the Israelites are being told that, when they're being told, you will know which way to go, but I know you have never been this way before. I think he's saying, you know what? It is scary. It's scary. But God is saying that, you know what? I've got it. I've got this under control. That you can trust me. That I'm trustworthy. That God will see you through all of these unknowns. He'll see you through all of these unknowns that come in the middle of the night. These unknowns that we're fearful of. And he's just saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, it's easy to say when we're looking at something that's unknown, that it's not right in front of our face. That we're not just immersed in it. Kind of like when the servant woke up that morning and he looks out and he realizes that my next point, he goes, I'm surrounded. The words are recorded by the servant in this and I think the author probably cleaned this language up a little bit because I don't think we could say these words in church when he says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? I think he probably would have used some other words because he's fearful. He's afraid. Panic. He's looking at us going, there's no way out of this. Elisha, man, there's no way we're going to survive this. There's, we're ruined. We're dead. Might as well pack it up. We're dead. And they might even be asking, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Going, I'm just the servant. Elisha, he's the dude that's saying all this stuff. Kill him, not me. He's probably wondering, why do I deserve this? Asking God, how could this happen to me? How is this happening? You know, I think we all at some point have found ourselves in that situation. We've found ourselves surrounded, surrounded by something that we're fearful of. And I'm, what I mean by that is I'm talking, the phone call's already come. You've already hung up the phone call and you have the bad news. You have that fearful news. You've been to the doctor and the doctor has told you those words you don't want to hear about yourself or about your loved one, that this is terminal, there's no hope. There's no way out of this. That you're just in your fear now. Your worst fear, you're just surrounded by it. And you kind of go, now what? Now what do I do? I want to read you a post by, I'm not going to mention any names, 
some of you will figure out. But this was on Facebook, so I think it's okay to read it. And I'm just going to read this, and, and this is a family that was, they're in this sphere right now. They're, they're worth, they've got that phone call. This is what it says. It says, our lives will never be the same. Last night at about 6 p.m., our hearts were crushed when we received the news that our kids were in a terrible car accident. It says, our beautiful son did not survive. While the grieving process will likely never end, we stand firm knowing that this amazing boy had a childlike faith in the Lord that far surpasses our own. We'll keep walking forward knowing that God is still good and that he will be with our son again one day. And he ends by a Bible verse. He ends by saying a Bible verse. This is what it is. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. It's not going to be on the screens. I'll read it. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This accident happened in another state many, many hours away. They had to drive knowing that to one, to pick up their daughter that was still alive, but also knowing that their son was dead and having to see their son dead in this situation. And just living, living in this fear, just surrounded by it. Their worst fear was reality now. They were in it. But we look at his response at this post. His response to this, he was trusting God. That he was having faith in God that, that he would take him through this place that he's never been before. His family's never been there before. But he was just saying, you know what, God, in even all this that I'm feeling, I know that you're good and I know you're going to take me through this. And you're going to show me the way. You're going to show me the way. I want to share some other verses with you. Uh, this one's out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You'll think of that word of temptation, and it might scratch you. Does that really apply here? But if we look at that word, we see it in James 1, verses 2 through 4, and that word is trial. It's the same word. And it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So those times when we're surrounded, we're surrounded in our fear, we're surrounded when we just, this is too much to handle. It's just too much. That we just want to, well, maybe we give up. That we let our fear dominate us. That we're just paralyzed at, in that. And I'm left asking, what shall I do? What should I do? I think what we need to do is we need to have faith. Yeah, faith like this dad, have faith. That in those times of our greatest fear, 
when we're surrounded by that fear, we're in the middle of that fear. We think there's no way out. That we just, this dad's post, I just, I come back to that because it just oozes with faith. Just oozes with trusting God. That he's leaving that in his hands, in his control, and he knows that God will bring him through this. That he doesn't have to be fearful. And I think isn't the opposite of fear faith in God? That if we have faith in God, we have faith in God knowing that he'll take me through whatever it is that I'm surrounded by. That we just trust that God has a plan. That it might be something that I can't see. I can't understand. I, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what, why. I don't know why right now. But if I have faith that I can trust that whatever it is that I'm going through, that God will take me through it, that he'll show me which way to go, that God is using this actually for my good, that God is using this for my good, and it's also for his good and perfect plan because he's, he's, he's got it. He has that control. He's got it in control. Look at John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's those words again, do not be afraid. The last thing I want us to look at is what I don't see. We see Elisha in these verses out of 2 Kings say, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the servant's eyes are open briefly, and he sees the Lord's army. So just for this little moment, the servant sees this, the army of God. He sees, those, those, he sees God's got this under control, and his, I think his, his attitude changes. I think his fear goes away. Now there's a scene in Lord of the Rings Bear with the sound, it's not great. But I don't know if many of if anybody's seen Lord of the Rings, but it's just reminded me of this scene. It's a scene where there's a battle, the good guys are, are in a battle, and they're they're actually losing front to the bad guys. They've they're kind of at that they're fearful. They've kind of given up hope. And then they look to the ridge and and we'll just play the clip and you'll see what happens. So I imagine this is how that servant felt. Hope was gone, but then he saw the eyes. With his eyes, God's army. Just like they looked up and saw reinforcements have come and their hope came back. Their fear was gone. That they, they realized we can get, we're bigger now. And so I want to think, what about those times in our lives when we're in a situation, we're in that fear, like this dad, 
or this family. Maybe there's other things that we're in. And just experiences in life, maybe there's things in life where we look and go, there's, how am I even here today? How could, how, how did I survive that? That, like the sermon, I should probably be dead right now. Certainly the sermon thinking, this isn't good. I don't, I don't think I'm going to get out of this one. I don't, I don't think. But yet, here we all are. Servant got, servant got out of that. And I think of a story. This is, this is many, 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 many years ago, long, long time ago when I was full of bad choices. Made a lot of bad choices, put myself in bad situations. And one night I was, it was late at night and, and after being at an establishment, we'll just put it that way. Um, I found myself talking to some people and there was a, li- a woman standing right here next to me. And I somehow, we're just talking and uh, like a group of people and I, I kind of reached over like this to, to hit one of my friends on the shoulder or something. And the next thing I know, this guy comes out of nowhere yelling and screaming at me with a knife in my throat. Like, I didn't get cut, but I mean, it was, it was enough pressure that it was, like, I was fearful. I was fearful, is this guy just going to stab me and leave me for dead? I didn't know what was going on. Like, I'm, like, I'm not even really talking to this lady. She just was standing there. This guy is, ends up that this was like his ex-girlfriend, so he's extremely jealous. The guy wanted to kill me. So then I, I think back, but I don't know what was going on, and I, I just started thinking, like, maybe if I would have saw what I couldn't see, maybe God intervened that night. Maybe there was some of his army that kind of pushed that guy's arm away. Maybe some of God's army took that guy and just, mo- just removed him from the situation. Maybe somebody just moved this lady away from the situation. Actually, someone even got me and removed me from the situation because God had a plan for me. God had a plan and he knew he was in control. Because here I am today. I'm still here. So I didn't see God's army, but if I would have saw that, I'd like to think that, well, he was there. He was there with me. Elisha tells his servant, says, for there are more on our side than on theirs. may not seem that way. That night it didn't seem that way. We might be overwhelmed with fear. There might be something that we're just, there's no way out. But we think what we see, but we don't know what we don't see. There's some other things in the Bible that tell us about this assurance that we can have the things that we don't see. If we look at Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I read that, and I kind of imagine that if I actually could see everything that I couldn't see, I, I probably might be more fearful, probably be terrified. So it might be good that I don't see all of that stuff. Second Chronicles 32, 7 through 8. It says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid of or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. 
Psalm 55, 18. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? So we have all this assurance. All these verses are saying of how mighty God's army is. All these that are for us. If we have faith. If we have that faith. If we have that faith that's the opposite of fear. But then I ask, well, why do I still fear? I still fear. I know all this stuff, but I'm still fearful. And one answer is that Fear is an emotion that God created. Fear, is, fear can be a good thing. Fear is something that, just like that night, like I've, I'm a slow learner, but I've learned if you just don't put yourself in those situations, those things don't happen. And that's motivated somewhat by fear, which is good. So fear can be a good thing. But there's also times where there's those things that We'll just say life happens. Like this dad receiving this phone call. It's worse fear. Those things happen. Sometimes they, they, those, we find ourselves in that situation. But I think this dad, he knew God had it under control. Sometimes God wants us to take a risk. He wants us to do something that we would think is scary, that would cause us fear. Anyway, we find ourselves in these situations. We, we'll, we'll find ourselves in these fearful situations. But I think what we're asking us to do is that we don't let fear paralyze us. We don't let it keep us trapped there. That we don't just live the life that God wants us to live. That what I want you to have is have the faith that God and his army, just God and his, his army are just way larger than anything in the world, way larger than anything the enemy's ever going to throw at you. That we just have that kind of faith, that we trust in him. That we know that God is always fighting for us. He's always fighting for us. And he's never going to leave you. Regardless of what it is, he will always be there. He was there before it, he was there during it, and he'll be there after all of us can know it's not going to be fun all the time. That there's, there's going to be pain. That there's going to be loss. And there, there will be fear. But what I want us to say is, is these words that say, don't be afraid. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Let's pray. Lord, I just want to pray for everybody in this room even people that are listening online or just friends that we have that we know or even our own lives or that we're just fearful about things we're, we're, we li sometimes live in fear I just pray that we we just know with our hearts Lord that we don't need to be afraid that you are with us that your army is bigger than anything that the world can throw at us that we can Rest assured, Lord, in, in you, that you will lead us, that you will guide us, that you'll show us the way. And even those situations that we've never been before, Lord, that we will know which way to go because you're there. You're there guiding us. 
Now, some of us, we may not even, we may need to just start by putting our faith in God, that we're in fear right now, and we need to just say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, whatever that situation is, and whatever it is that we just say with our heart, Lord, that I'm going to put my faith in you, and I'm going to start following you, and I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to let you be in control. So if there's somebody that wants to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm done being in fear, that I want to put my faith in you, God. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, if you want to just look at me and raise your hand, I'll acknowledge with you that, that you're saying yes to Jesus. I see you. I see two of you. I see you. I see you. Lord, I just thank you for all those that have just took a stand and said, you know what, enough. I'm not going to live in fear anymore. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, God that I'm going to trust that you have this under control, that you're, you're greater than anything in this world, that you will lead me, that you will never leave me. Just thank you for them. Thank you for everybody in this room. In your precious name we pray. Amen. To end, Jim's going to play a final song.